tonight to the book of 1 John chapter 2, uh, the 1 John chapter 2, and uh, you know, as I said, my heart began to be pulled a little bit ago a different direction, and if you were here last midweek service, we talked about the spirit of Antichrist, uh, recognizing <clears throat> and resisting the spirit of Antichrist. Of course, you can't resist what you don't recognize. And uh, recognition comes by paying attention. Yeah. Amen. And uh, if there was ever a time in your Christian life to be paying attention, it would be now. Yeah. It would be now. And uh, praise God. You know, I, I'm so grateful to have the gospel record in John chapter 17. You're in 1 John too. But in 1 John 17, virtually the whole chapter is a prayer that Jesus prays to the Father right before he departs to go back and be with the Father. And he said, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to keep them from the evil one. Amen. And, of course, in there, John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them through your truth. Thy word is truth. And so what keeps us safe, what is going to keep us in this day and hour from the evil one is the truth. Can you say amen? amen? The truth. And we need to be lovers of the truth. Amen. Very important that we, we want the truth. We seek the truth. We will adapt to uh, the, whatever the truth is. And we know where to find truth. We're not looking to the media. We're not looking to... Uh, you know, uh, universities, and you know, I know I said something critical about public schools, uh, you know, Sunday, and but see, we've got courageous, God's got people strategically placed, uh, amen, uh, in our public schools, and they're fighting the good fight. But you know, especially in our in our higher education, it's just it's just you know the the truth that um, you know those institutions largely have been taken over with atheistic sentiments. Godless sentiments, revisionist history, uh, amen. They're not, they're not teaching the truth for the most part. You know, maybe you can get the truth in math class, but, they, you know, not in the art and literature department, not in the political science department, you know, not in most places. And uh, praise God. But, you know, no matter, it's not about picking on one little, you know, group or institution. Deceptions in the world everywhere, amen, everywhere. And the way to not be caught up in it is to know the truth, love the truth, hold to the truth, speak the truth, study the truth. Amen. It's just so vitally, vitally important. Amen. And so I just had it in my heart that the Lord wanted me to build for a few minutes on what was said last week. So in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse number four, uh, 15, John says by the Holy Ghost, Love not the world, love it not. Neither the things that are in the world. If man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty, that's pretty definite. Um, you know, that's going to put you on one side of the ledger or the other. You love the world, you're not with God. And to walk with God, you, you can't love the world. Amen? Amen. Enjoy the blue sky, enjoy the green grass, enjoy the blessings while you're here. But, uh, you know, there's going to be... Uh, a lot of pain and a lot of turmoil, a lot of judgment, a lot of things happen before it gets better, before Jesus begins to rule and to reign for a thousand years on this planet. Amen? That day's coming, but there's a lot that's going to happen first, and a lot of it's not going to be pleasant. 
Now notice, uh, why would we not want to love the world? Well, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. What's in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of those things, those are not of the Father. Those are not of the Father. Amen? But is of the world. And the world passes away. So if you invest all your love and all your affection and all your attention, all your time, money, and energy on the world and worldly things and worldly experiences and worldly pleasures, you're investing in something that is soon to be blown away, burned away. You know, it's not going to be here anymore. There'll be a world, it'll be renovated, but all, you know, all the works of the world, that's all going to be done away with. Then he says in verse, 18, or verse 17, The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Doing the will of God will have an eternal positive blessing and impact on your life and on your future. So that's what we need to be putting ourselves into. That's what we need to be invested in. That's where our time, our energy, our focus needs to be. Doing the will of the Father. Being about the Father's business with the time that we have left. What does that mean? The Father's business is prayer and intercession. Amen. The Father's business is being and making disciples. The Father's business is clothing the naked and feeding the poor and spreading the good news and warning the sinner about the day that is coming. Continuing to urge people to repent and believe the gospel. People are going to die and go to hell if they don't repent and believe the gospel. Amen. That's the truth. Hallelujah. Then, John says in verse 18, Little children, it is the last time. And you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So the Bible gives us an abundance of signs, an abundance of indicators to let us know without doubt where we are in time. Amen. One of those indicators is, how do we know it is the last hour? The presence of the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Now again, we're not talking about the person the figure, the prophetic figure that is the son of perdition, the beast, the, right? The Antichrist that is to come. But the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world since John's day. Amen? And the indication is you know it is the last hour as you see the rise of the influence of the spirit of Antichrist in the world. And we're seeing that. Okay, I mean, we're just seeing that. Now, how would we describe or define the spirit of antichrist? Well, the word anti, you know what that means. It means to, to oppose. It means to stand against. It means to be against. Amen? Antiperspirant. <laughs> you know, that means you put that on because it's against sweat and stink, right? Yeah. You're something that's going to oppose that. That'll make you laugh a little. Hallelujah. Amen. But anti, opposed, to be against, to stand against. Well, what? Christ. Christ is a messianic term. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Right? 
It's his title. He is the Jewish and the world's Messiah. He is the Messiah of the long-awaited and long-prophesied Old Testament. He is the Savior of the world. Amen. He is the Son of God, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The word Christ also means the anointed one in his anointing. The word anointing, Brother Hagin taught us, and I've studied it out, I totally agree with him, that the word anointing and the word power and the, the phrase the Spirit of God or any reference to the Holy Ghost, those are synonymous terms. They are synonymous terms, right? So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing. So they're the same thing. God anointed, that's the word anointing, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. They're all the same thing. The Holy Ghost is the source of power. The Holy Ghost is the source of the anointing. Right? So what would be antichrist? Anything that takes up a position against, anything that would oppose the power of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, and the one who brings all that to us, Jesus Christ, is Antichrist. So, a theological term that's very popular out there is cessationism. It's a theological word that means we don't believe any, all that good stuff's passed away. Miracles, signs, wonders, tongues, gifts of the Spirit. These are cessationists. Amen? And then a fancy theological word that just describes something that is anti-Christ. Jesus is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed yesterday, He'll heal today, and He's going to heal tomorrow. Amen. So to be anti-Jesus is the spirit of anti-Christ. To be anti the cause of Christ is anti-Christ. To be against the church, the true church that is a reflection of Jesus in the earth is anti-Christ. Amen. And what John is telling us, now I want you to go to Matthew, if you will, Matthew 24. And let's build on this a little bit. As the spirit of Antichrist, as another end time sign that lets us know how close we are to the catching away of the church, to the culmination of the age, to the terrible, terrible, terrible day of the Lord that's coming. The wrath of God that is about to be poured out on those who do not obey the gospel. And you might think that's what, those are my words. I was quoting scripture there. The wrath of God is coming upon people who refuse to obey the gospel or the good news. We have to tell people. We have to let them know. That's what love would do. We have to warn people. You know, I read it this morning that, um, you know, all of the elites, all of the uppity, uppity elites in the world... When these seals start getting broken, the first seals of Revelation, and the judgments start to fall pretty quick, you see these elites hiding in mountains, under rocks, in clefts of rock in the earth. And they're saying, mountain, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the one who sits in heaven. 
So, you know, the, these global elites, these, these big wigs, these puppeteers, these puppet masters shifting billions of world, whatever, all that they're doing, I, I'm going to try to keep myself out of trouble tonight. You know, all that they're up to, they, they may make plans, they may mock, they may scoff, but the Bible says that God looks upon the plans of evil men and he laughs because he knows that their time is short. And we don't want, we don't want anyone to suffer that kind of fate. We must do what Jesus commanded his disciples, go two by two into every village and preach and say, repent. Repent. It's got to be a, a new, hip, cool, cutting edge word in the body of Christ. Instead of being unpopular and unspoken, the word repent. Amen. And, and you know, there's, there's a whole other side, and that is the shaking that's going on in the church. God will have a bride. He will have a people that will be holy and will fear Him and will be dedicated to Him and sold out to Him. And, and we, He will have a vessel that is worthy of Him pouring this holy oil into so that we can have this move of God and this revival. Amen. And if you have sin in your life, if you have compromise in your life, you need to repent. If you're sipping wine, if you're watching rated R movies, if you're reading racy romance novels, if you're flirting with someone in the office and you're married, I mean, whatever it is, if you're gossiping, backbiting, griping, using to be obedient to the will of God, to be submissive to spiritual authority, to get with God's program. Listen, can I just tell you? Repent. Yeah. Repent. Amen. All right. Praise God. So in uh, Matthew 24, we know by now that Matthew 24 is very important. Jesus talked about uh, much about the signs of the end of the age. And uh, let's begin reading in verse number 8. And it says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. And I wrote in my Bible, birth, excuse me, birth pangs. Because the word sorrows, that's what it means in the Greek, birth pangs. Like a woman's labor pain. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you. You know, I was, I was listening to David Barton today in another video, and he was talking about a man in Florida, I'm talking about last year, I think, that was on a street corner, and he started to street preach, and he mentioned the word God, and he was handcuffed, and he was taken to jail for saying God on a street corner in America. Christians are being beat up, being persecuted, Hello? In America. I mean, we've drifted so far from our founding. Amen. And so we just have to prepare ourselves for some of these things mentally. Amen. And spiritually. And it says, so uh, again, talking about what life is going to be like, these indicators signal the end of the age that we're living in. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. 
Maybe we need to make a t-shirt out of that. I mean, that doesn't sound real fun, but that's what the Bible says. And then shall many be offended. Now, we can just stop and preach on that a minute. Many being offended. It's like you can't say anything. Right? You can't say anything. People just go off. You know, you just go off. And, and people just being so offended. You, and, and again, you can't do what, you can't, uh, you know, control what other people are doing. But don't you get caught up in these negative flows that are marks of the end time. Don't you be quick to be offended. Right? Okay. We've got to guard against offense. Amen. Notice this. And people, they shall betray one another. You know, in Oregon, the governor of Oregon ordered his citizens of the United States in Oregon to call the police if they see their neighbor with too many cars in their driveway for Thanksgiving so that he can send a police officer. I thought they defunded all their police officers. But to, de to, to go over and cite them, and if they don't pay the fine, they'll put them in jail for 30 days. And apparently people in Oregon, that's what they voted for. That's the kind of government they put in. In America. It's happening in state after state after state. Governors drunk on power. Duh, governors drunk on power. With no pushback. How far will it go? They will take it as far as we will let them take it. I'm just telling you. They're taking people's businesses from them with no money in return. People are losing their jobs with no remedy. Officials in a calling on fellow citizens, they did that, you do that in Nazi, you can read about that in Nazi Germany. I mean, we have to wake up, America. Wake up, Christian. Amen. It says they shall be offended and they shall betray one another. I mean, I'm hearing stories about grandmamas, grandmas getting beat up and pushed around in the community because she has a mask on. Making fun of her because she has a mask. That's not right. And then I hear stories all the time about people getting beat up and pushed around because they don't have a mask on. See, this is what I'm talking about. Amen? We just have to watch out for this stuff. We have to walk in love and walk in faith and have common sense. Amen. Then it says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You have to be careful who you let speak into your life. You know, a lot of these so-called national voices on mainstream Christian TV... I mean, you just go, I don't want to impugn everybody out there. I don't, even, I don't even watch it most of the time. But I'm just telling you, most of that is bunk. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get to. Verse 12, Matthew 24, 12. Notice in Jesus goes on and gives another indicator. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Amen. 
I mean, it's like uh, mom over here was telling me in my own in my own hometown of Norman at a football game during the the the, the rivalry, the Bedlam rivalry. Football gets kicked in the stand, and an OSU uh, staff person goes up in the stand to collect the ball, and a bunch of thugs beat him up and broke his ribs. I mean, what's Talk about the love of men. Where's, the, where's love? Where's mercy? Where's goodness? Where's compassion? I know it's out there, but you just hear more and more and more of this going on all the time. Notice this reference, because iniquity shall abound. If you look up the word iniquity, it means lawlessness. And lawlessness, as I'm about to show you, is connected to the spirit of Antichrist. Something that, someone that is godly, someone that was in the flow of God, is for the rule of law. They are for the rule of law. They, they, have, a, they have a moral compass. They have a moral compass. They have a sense of morality. They, they, they really still do believe that stealing is bad and lying is wrong and committing adultery. Amen. But in the last days, Jesus said, iniquity, or the word is lawlessness, shall abound. Lawlessness shall abound. And, the, and so this is what we just see. The, the law, oh, oh God, Chris, stay out of trouble. Laws just, just people don't care about the bait. They don't, the Constitution, what's that? Nobody cares about the Constitution. Not our, not our politicians. They don't care about it. Judges don't act like they care about it. Truckload of ballots show up in Michigan in the middle of the night in a van after all the poll workers are sent home. And yet they certify the vote anyway. Not even an investigation. Nobody's even interested to find out if that was legit or not. I'm just telling you, uh, lawlessness abounding. Yes. Think about the riots of, of the earlier in the year. Burning property, assaulting police officers, breaking into stores, burning down buildings. Again, you want to go to Oregon, you can legally... This last election, they voted legal heroin. You can legally have it, no problem. Lawlessness. And, and the noted scholar Rick Renner, he, doing a deep dive study on this word iniquity, what Jesus is saying here is that right at the end of the age, there will be a, a global outbreak of lawlessness. Now, the word lawlessness doesn't just mean break the law. The Greek connotation for the word iniquity here could be translated lawless or lawlessness means this in spirit, a rebellion to God and his authority. Rebellion to God and his authority. So this is what this means in the Greek, that uh, one of the indicators will be that there will be a global worldwide rebellion against all things that is God and godly. They want to throw God off of the money, throw God off our documents, throw God out of our schools, throw God out of society, throw God out of, you can't pray at the ball game. 
Amen. And it's not just happening here, but it's just so, so sad in America for so many decades and centuries. America was a light, a light of righteousness, you know, kind of overall. You know, we had morality. We've never been a perfect nation, but you know what I mean? The rule of law actually mattered. People actually had a sense of right and wrong. You know, George Washington, they would, they would, they would, he's not woke. I mean, George Washington, he is not PC. He actually said that everyone on this day ought to give thanks for the blessings of God. I mean, you just, you're not supposed to say that as a president. Even a very progressive, liberal-minded um, Teddy Roosevelt, in his proclamation on Thanksgiving, talks all about God. Yeah. But, but notice, a global rebellion against God and all that is godly and the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13, but he that endures to the end shall be. We're going to have to have this mindset. I'm going to endure to the end. I'm going to endure to the end. Let's, let's go to one more passage in uh, 2 Thessalonians. So really, what we're adding tonight is that the spirit of Antichrist is uh, the whole tone and air spirit about that spirit is rebellion against God. Rebellion against anything godly. Now I'm having you turn away from Matthew, but you remember in Matthew a little bit later on, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And I would encourage you, go back and read Genesis chapter 6 and tell me if it doesn't look like the world right now. When, you know, when God looked down in Noah's day and He said the imaginations of people's hearts were only wicked continually. In other words, they were totally given over to evil. Their thoughts their imaginations, their intentions, their purposes, and notice it was global, right? Except for Noah and his family, only Noah got down to only Noah being the last righteous man who cared anything about God and anything godly on the planet. And the earth was filled with violence. And God said, it repenteth me that I'm going to destroy man. I'm going to judge man. And he's going to do it again. The rapture is the next ark. Notice that Noah went in, God shut the door, and he was lifted up above the judgment. Jesus is the door. You better get in the ark because the trumpet's going to sound. He's going to shut the door. We're going to be lifted up. And then the tribulation and the antichrist is really going to get real around here. So are you in the ark of Jesus? <laughs> Amen. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that's a really, that's a really interesting study in Genesis. Uh, Perry Stone pointed out, you know, that in Genesis, in that account about Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It'll be like that. We said there's giants in the land. Remember the sons of God had mated with the... Uh, daughters of flesh and, and produce the giant race. Well, now what's one of the what's one of the big hopping terms out there? Tech giants. The giants are in the land, and I know I've been testing. I've been testing it off and on. Facebook is censoring me. 
I put normal posts out there on my feed, and I get all, if it's just general, I'll get all kinds of things, but I put something out on purpose about a scripture on homosexuality today. Did y'all, I don't know. People don't see it. Now, I know that they're, I know they're, they're algorithm, they're filtering, they're censoring. There's one guy out there, and, and he preserved, I don't know how he did it, 500,000 sort of transactions online so he could measure what Google was doing. And leading up to the election, they would, when you opened up Google to do a search engine, it would say, don't forget to vote. But they would only show that to liberal-leaning people. They would not remind conservative-minded people that it was time to vote. Google is a tech giant that is suppressing. If you wanted certain information about a candidate that was not uh, pleasing to the candidate they want you to like, they won't put that on the search result, even though it's true and the information's out there. They hide it. Facebook is censoring. Twitter is a cesspool. Right? It's a really, I mean, legit article from America's oldest newspaper about Hunter Biden. And Twitter locked everybody's account, including the president of the United States Twitter account, for even trying to mention it. Y'all know about that, right? So you think Twitter's all that and Facebook's all that and, and they are censoring. You, you want to speak for God? They'll let your Christian friends, but they're not going to let it get out there. See, the, the giants are in the land just like it was in the days of Noah. All right. Probably got myself in trouble again. I'm not trying to. Let's, let's look in uh, chapter 2 here. Paul He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. See, there is a reference to both the second coming and the rapture. The second coming, what actually happens second, is listed first. I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the second coming and by our gathering together unto him. That's the rapture. That you be not soon shaken in mind. Oh, we need to hear this today, don't we, Christian? I've been tempted. Don't be soon shaken in your mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. See, someone forged a letter from Paul and sent it like it was from Paul to this church. And they said that the day of Christ has already come. You missed it. And they're all, they're all troubled. They're all, oh my God. And so he's letting them know, listen, I didn't write that letter. Don't let anyone shake you up, trouble you, rob you of your peace. Now look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. This phrase, falling away, has been much debated, uh, much studied. It's the Greek word apostasy, basically apostasy, okay? And it means a rebellion or a defection or a removal or it can mean a taking away. 
And so theologians have debated big time. Does this mean that right before the rapture, that there'll be a great defection? There'll be a great rebellion? There'll be a great falling away? Or is, does it, is it better to interpret the word a sudden removal or a defection indicating rapture? You know what I've come to believe? I believe it's both. I believe it's both. It's just undeniable. In the church, we see rebellion against God in the church. And I'll just leave that alone, but it's just all over. It's just all over. So sad, the condition and the state of the body of Christ. That I'm just so disturbed, you know, by, by that. But anyway, this day shall not come until there come a rebellion, a defection, a great falling away first, that the Son of Man, or excuse me, that the man of sin may be revealed the son of perdition. Now there's your Antichrist right there, the person. Now notice this about him. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Now, again, he can't come. You're going to see it in a minute before we close. He cannot come on the scene as long as we're here. But the spirit he operates in is already here. How does that spirit act? Well, right here. It opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. You know, socialism has to kill Christianity. Because in socialism, government is God. The government will tell you how much land you can stand on. The government's going to tell you if you're going to be a worker bee, a painter, a carpenter, an engineer. You don't get to choose. They're going to tell you what you're going to be, how much you're going to make, what your potential is. And they cannot have you believing in some God full of purpose that wants to do great things for your life. Socialism wants, they want you looking to government as God. So they have to kill Christianity. And they've been trying to do it for decades in America, trying to set everybody, and we're going that way, right toward socialism, making a steady march toward it. Venezuela used to be a rich country, and now they're all eating out of trash cans. Burning their currency to stay warm at night, because it's not worth nothing. Only the upper, 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 upper elites with power get to have anything. And that's the way they want it. Preaching better than you're saying amen. Pastor, you've just been intense lately. It's an intense day. It's an intense hour. So the spirit of Antichrist opposes and exalts itself above all that is called God or all that is worshipped. It wants to be God. See, the Antichrist is going to demand, that he's going to sit in the temple and demand to be worshipped as God. But he's not God. Remember you not, Paul says, that when I was with you, I told you these things. This is why Paul said, you shouldn't be troubled by this letter you got. You should have known I already taught you about how this thing's going to wrap up. I told you these things. See, you need to remember what your preacher's saying. <laughs> and now, now here's verse 6, a great scripture. And now you know what withholds. See, there's a, there's a, uh, God has put a curb on the spirit of Antichrist, thank God. 
There is a withholding force that He might be revealed in His time. See, He can't be yet. So it'd be, it would be a waste of your time to try to figure out who it is. Right. Now notice this, for the mystery of iniquity. There's that word lawless. Associated with the spirit of Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. I mean, it's just a mystery to me about lawlessness. People are calling evil good. And they're calling good evil. Do you ever just sit there watching the news and scratch your head? I do. I'm having to watch less and less. Because you drive me batty. I want to shoot the television. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. See, it's already at work. Only he who now letteth, in the Greek, that's word restrains. You should, you know, write that in your Bible so you don't forget. He who now restrains will let, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. That's the the church is the restraining force in the earth against evil. And listen, we have got to toe the line. We have got to stand for the truth. We have got to church. We've got to pay whatever price has got to be paid. We've got to be as unpopular as we're going to have to be. To be the restraining force. We're just going to have to look lovingly in those people's eyes and say, No, sweetie. No, sweetie. You're not. You like girls. You're a boy and you like girls. We're just going to have to hold the line. And they're going to they're put you on their list. And they're going to call you a homophobe. They're going to call you all kinds of stuff. Governments want to pass laws against it. It's already illegal to say what I just told you in Canada. Right now today. I'd be facing charges in Canada to t- just say what I just said in Canada as a pastor. Just telling you. You think whatever you want to about a previous president, but if he doesn't stay, that protection, for that goes away. But you know what? I'm not looking at him anyway. I'm just going to keep saying it. Because you already said you'd bail me out. Right? I'm going to hold you to your promise. Amen. God help us. But thank God, this darkness in the world can only go so far. Because we are here. And we are dressed for battle. We've got the whole armor of God. We have the truth in our lap. We're not children of the darkness. We're children of the day. We're children of light. We have a heart full of divine love for sinners, right? We have a heart full of divine love for sinners who are caught up in the darkness. And we're not to retreat, but we are to, in love, penetrate the darkness. Go into the darkness with love, with compassion, with light, but with firmness. Armed with the truth. Because the only hope of rescuing any of these people 
is, to, is the ability to get them to see the truth. And if we will do our part and speak the truth to people in love, the Holy Spirit will do His part to bring light where people have been deceived. Amen. Verse 8, it says, And then that wicked one being revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the breath of his mouth and shall destroy his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. He's going he's to perform what look like miracles. People go, oh. And they'll go, they'll go after it. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Now, we're going to close with this. Why do people perish? Because not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For anyone to be saved, it's always been this way. For anyone to be saved, they have to receive and believe the truth. There are not many paths to God. There is only one way to be saved. There is a hell. It is eternal. People don't want to go there. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Lying is bad and carries punishment. All lies, the Bible says, all lies and liars, no, no lie will be unpunished. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. No, no lie will be unpunished. Don't ask my son if you look fat in that dress if you don't want to know. Because he's like got a godly fear about lying. Look fat. He would just tell you the truth. Amber and I are really concerned that if we were hiding from the fascists in a closet and they asked him, where are your parents? He would say, over there. That is how committed to the truth he is. <laughs> and as they march me off, I just have to look at him and go, oh, okay, brother, all right. <laughs> Why do people perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Look at this. For this cause, sin. Now, it doesn't say the devil will do this. God will send strong delusion on them that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned that did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a New Testament scripture. See, God gives people so far but they deny the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear about right and wrong. They don't want to hear about biblical sexuality. They don't want to hear about obeying authority. They don't want to hear about respect for mom and dad. And they go and they go and they go and they go and they go. And they cross some sort of line. And now God is putting on them a spirit of delusion. And they're going to believe stuff that would shock you. They'll believe things that will shock you. And the end result will be their eternal damnation. Why? 
because they rejected truth. They rejected the truth. Y'all aren't shouting me down with your amens. And I had a nice, pleasant, PC, historical sermon prepared on American Thanksgiving. But God wouldn't let me preach it. (laughs) Amen. What did God want? He wanted us to be able to recognize the spirit of Antichrist at at work in the world. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go into Walmart and go, Antichrist, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pray for people. Love people. Have compassionate conversations with people. Amen? But guard yourself. Protect yourself. Don't neglect your Bible. Amen? Don't neglect church. Don't neglect study. You can stand to your feet. Amen. Hallelujah. The belt of truth is part of the armor. Isn't that right? The belt of truth is the very first piece of armor that Paul mentioned. If we're going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, to be able to withstand the evil day, we have to have the belt of truth on. And the word of God is truth. And because of that, aren't you glad we don't have to be afraid? We don't have to be afraid of being deceived. We don't have to be afraid of, of this being our lot. All we have to do is hold tight to Jesus. Hold tight to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Be a word person. Be a Holy Ghost person. Moms and dads, put the word in your kids. Put the word in your children. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.